Welcome to the All for the Gators podcast. Gentlemen, we're on to the next episode. All right. What was that? Oh, that was my phone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what is this, episode six? I don't know. I lost track. It is. That's good when you lose track. That's right. <laughs> it means I can't count to six. <laughs> <laughs> That UF degree is not looking as impressive as it once did. Uh. Guys, we're booked through the end of the year. How's that feel? End of the year? Nice. It's nice yep. to be busy. Can't wait to see who you come up with. Sid, who, where are you going? You're going to miss an interview this week. I am flying up to Boston. Uh, my cousin said that if I could get a plane ticket, they would get me a ticket to see the Jets and the Patriots. I know I'm not allowed to talk about the Jets, but I'm really excited to go to this game. Are there any Gators on the Jets anymore? I think Marcus May was our last one, and he was pretty good for a stretch there, but sadly it ended kind of badly. Marcel Harris is a linebacker for the Jets from Florida. Yeah, he's not getting a lot of playing time, though. Speaking of linebackers and Gator linebackers, on social media, if you follow All for the Gators podcast, you would know that, well, when this airs, we did a favorite Gator linebacker bracket like a tournament. And what we did was we posted about the tournament and we had our listeners comment with their favorite Gators linebacker, not the best one, their favorite one. Everybody's got their own memory triggers of who they saw play and when and what it meant to them. And so we got a ton of nominations and the more nominated, not surprising. We've had some good backers over the years. No, we have. And the more nominations a player gets, that's their seating. Right. So if you get the most votes, you're the number one seed. And that's how it's going to be matched up in the brackets. Scientific. I like it. Um, That's right. Gave them, I think, two days to get that figured out. Once nominations are closed, then polls will be posted on social media for each matchup. And then the listeners will vote. And it's real simple because each social media platform has its own polling post. And you just put the two options in, they pick, and it keeps track of all the percentages and Real simple to do, real easy, and I'm sure everybody's going to want to put in their opinion. So I tried to vote, but um, lack of social media. <laughs> yeah. You sent the crow over with the note attached to its foot? Yeah. The pigeon. Carrier pigeon. <laughs> I saw it. I said Mike Peterson. There you go. I got you got it. it. Yeah. It took six days to get here. But... At least I got there. That's good. <laughs> it's good to hear that it still works. Andy, there's this stuff that you could do on your electronic devices now to connect with the rest of the world. Uh, it's starting to catch on. <laughs> Sid, you have no excuse not to vote because you're on there. Do we get a sneak peek of how this is coming together or do we got to wait for the final results? Um, I will say right now, the top three vote getters are in order. Peterson, three. Spikes, two. And Wilbur Marshall won. Of course. Very nice. You know, I don't see a lot of offenses having success against that linebacking core. That's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, I think our listeners know what they're doing. Of course. We're Gators. We know what we're talking about. (laughs) Um, So we'll see. It's going to be, we're going to see a lot of awesome names in there, man. And they're going to be matched up. It'll be cool to see and see how it all falls out. Top tier of great Gator linebackers for sure. Ventral Miller got nominated. Um, We had... Your Brandon Silers. We had nice. Channing Crowder. We had I'd forgotten about Channing Crowder. He was awesome. Oh, how about this blast from the past? Andra Davis. Nice. Didn't you have a Crowder Dolphins jersey, John? I do. Okay. All Absolutely. Right. Oh. One of the few Dolphins jerseys you were proud of. <laughs> if we ever do this podcast on video, I'll wear it one day. <laughs> All right. So John, who we got coming in for us tonight? This is where I usually go on like that prolific rant, right? Today's Gator Great touting all their accomplishments, maybe embellishing a little bit. 
to build up the suspense for who it is, right? Sure. Sure. I could talk about how today's guest was first team all SEC twice. Lou Groza award semifinalist twice, named the nation's best place kicker before his senior season in 2001 by the Sporting News, voted by his teammates as team MVP in 1999. But gentlemen, all I really need to say is one thing, and that's it. One thing, drop the mic and I'm done. Are you ready? Oh yeah. Gator Nation, today's great is the all-time leading scorer in UF history. Wow done all right no one in what 116 years of florida gator football has put up more points in a career than this guy ladies and gentlemen i present to you mr jeffrey robin chandler all right <laughs> wow all-time score that's a big get welcome jeff jeff are you in the uf athletics hall of fame I am not. I have not been campaigning well enough over the last uh, 21 years to get in, but um, I'm, I'm starting to, at, at you know, these charity golf tournaments that I see other guys at, I see Judd Davis at, I see Caleb Sturgis at, I'm like, hey, let's start, let's start getting more kickers into the Hall of Fame. And so I, I'm, I'm starting to campaign a little bit. Grassroots. Um, but I've never been, that's never been my thing is Coach Burr used to tell me, if your name's in the newspaper, that means you screwed up. And so I've never really wanted publicity. I just wanted to kind of go out there and do my job. But, you know, now that I've got kids um, and I try and tell them about all my exploits at Florida and how good we were, they don't really believe me. And so I, I think I need like something to happen during their lifetime where it sort of shows how how good I think I was or how good I was at that moment in time. How old are your kids? So uh, 12, 10, and 7, uh, girl, boy, boy. And, you know, it, it's very rare if I get a, you know, a four-hour window on a Saturday to watch a Gator football game because we're we're at baseball fields and soccer fields and football sure. fields uh, pretty much every every weekend. So, oh, yeah. Um, but they, you know, when we do get an opportunity to go to a, to a football game or Florida, Georgia here in Jacksonville, they, uh, they bleed orange and blue, for sure. Awesome. All right, teaching them right. So it's really cool to have you on today. Of course, UF's all-time leading scorer, like I said. We were all at UF together, actually, all four of us. Four of us. Uh, and I was actually, well, so was Sid, telecommunications major as well. So we may have been uh, in some classes together. Who knows? Yeah, that's... Uh, I remember seeing you actually in the AM station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, running uh, with Steve Russell back in the day and then the 89.1, the uh, classic, uh, you know, the uh, NPR station. Yep. I, I put in my time there for sure. I was on Rock 104. I don't know if you listened. I got onto the morning show, actually, and did the morning show. Uh, it was Todd and Spano in the morning. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> and I used to do live pregame broadcasts from Ben Hill Griffin Stadium before the football games. Oh, wow. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. All right, enough about you. Okay. <laughs> Jeff is here. Jeff Chandler, let's talk about you a little bit. You grew up in Jacksonville, not far from Gainesville, but you were a big Bulldogs fan. Number one, is that true? And number two, how, how did that happen being so close to Gainesville? Yeah, unfortunately it is true, but uh, it's for a good reason. My parents both went to Georgia. They met at the University of Georgia. My dad was a track and field athlete there. Uh, he was born and raised in Jacksonville and got a scholarship to go to Georgia. So he went there, met my mom, and then came back to Jacksonville. And so they've been, obviously, since they got married, they've been living here in Jacksonville. There was a few pit stops along the way, but uh, have really settled in Jacksonville. And so I was born and raised here, but always sort of had that pull towards Athens and towards Georgia. My dad, we would go back to a football game every year and we'd go vacation and we'd stop in at Athens and see his old track coach. I actually got to hold, forget exactly which Olympics it was, but when Hitler gave the gold medal, he gave it actually to my, my dad's track coach. And so it was really cool to be able to go there and experience that kind of stuff, being close to 
Georgia athletics. And then um, I had no intention of playing football. I was a soccer player growing up and walked on at Florida. I only played one year of football in high school. So I, I didn't really have this resume to go out there and be recruited. So my, I, I could either walk on at Georgia or walk on at Florida. And my dad made the fiscal decision to say, son, in-state tuition. <laughs> I, I love Georgia. I bleed red and black, but the in-state tuition is more important to me. And so, um, you know, they sort of got over that, uh, you know, me not choosing to go to, to walk on at Georgia and allowing me to walk on at Florida. And so, um, you know, and just through luck and being in the right place at the right time, things worked out for me at Florida. But yeah, they were, uh, you know, the best Gators they could be for five years while I was there. They went to every single, they missed one game, like Homer away. They went to every single away game except for one. And that was my um, redshirt freshman year when they didn't think I would be playing. They committed to a <laughs> wedding at some point. One of their friend's sons was getting married or something like that. So they actually had to miss a game. But other than that, they I think I played in, I don't know, what it was 50 games in college. They went to 49 of them. So very cool. Really impressive, uh, you know, for them to never miss a bowl game, a championship game, a road game, except for one uh, throughout my entire career. Well, as a guy with a son that's a senior in high school, I fully support the in-state tuition move that they made. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I bet. And now they're back to being Bulldogs fans, which is kind of fun for me. They did wait and, and go back to the dark side, if you will, for all of the guys that I played with to graduate because they had gotten to know their parents and they didn't feel like it was right for them to you know, root against, you know, the, the kids whose parents they had spent a bunch of time with. So, but it's fun now. I mean, I'm, I'm still kind of the black sheep in my family. My wife went to Florida state, my brother and his wife went to Florida state and my parents went to Georgia. So I sort of love being the one guy that sort of has to defend himself. <laughs> You're the smartest one. <laughs> yeah. That's what I tell them. Let's go back to Mandarin High School real quick in Jacksonville. That's where you went to high school. You played football for a year. Like you said, you played actually some wide receiver, and you were an all-district uh, kicker and punter. But add to that, you were a three-time all-conference goalkeeper in soccer. You lettered in tennis and named to the all-academic team in Jacksonville. How do you think being so well-rounded like that helped you at the University of Florida? Yeah, um, it's a really good question. It's something I think about a lot now, having kids that are into sports and uh, wanting them to be exposed to as much stuff as possible. Um, because I think there's little things that you can pull out of each one of the sports you play or experiences that you have that can help benefit you. And the same thing about the school, I think being able to balance athletics and academics, you can learn that at a very young age. And I think I did a pretty good job with that. I mean, you know, I wasn't the best student, but I, I did enough to get in on my own merits at Florida, which I don't think I could ever do nowadays. It's, it seems like it's almost impossible to get in, but right. I was lucky at the time to get in. But um, yeah, I do think the, you know, playing a position like goalie that I, that I did in soccer, it's very similar to kicker. You might get four or five opportunities a game, but you have to, you have to perform in those four or five opportunities. And so I think the mindset that I took from soccer transitioned very, very well over into kicking. And I think that helped me be successful very, very early on. But uh, I, I got, you know, kind of burnt out with soccer as I got to my senior year in high school. And I, that's when I started to look around and say like, what else is there? What can I do? And, and football seemed to be this really fun outlet for me because my friends were doing it and it, it was high school and there was really no pressure. We had a new coach coming in. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I'll just give this a shot. You know, it wasn't something that I was really um, looking to do very seriously. And then slowly started to have some success and 
I had a strong leg from playing soccer and that sort of kind of helped me get noticed a little bit. And then, um, you know, I had enough tape that I could send that to Florida and say, Hey, is this somebody that you think could walk on or be a contributor to the football team? And Barry Wilson at the time was like, yeah. And so, um, I kind of took that opportunity and like, it was almost immediately when I got onto campus, I was the backup kicker and I had only been kicking footballs for a year. And so that was a little bit daunting that I was one play away from being the starter. And so I really kind of had to kick everything that I was doing in overdrive. And so started to pay a lot more attention to it and focus on it and work really hard at it. And, and, you know, the same kind of process I took playing soccer when I was a kid is like, I really wanted to own my craft and I was able to do that, you know, for a decent chunk of my career kicking. So was it just the accuracy part that you had to work on as you transition? Cause it sounds like you had the leg for it. Yeah. And it was, uh, it's, it's funny now. Cause like even kicking a soccer ball now is really difficult for me after kicking footballs for so many years. And at the start of kicking footballs, it was really, really hard for me to figure that out because kicking a soccer ball is a lot different. So it's like, I had to retrain my brain a little bit on like how to do it. It's a little bit of a different, um, motion and swing, but yeah, I never had the problem with the strength. It was always the the you know left and right. I needed to make sure that I could kick the ball straight. And I feel like once I got that down, the leg strength was going to um, sort of help me get to the next level. Um, and, and, you know, it did. And then I always used to joke with people that, like, when you're kicking bad, you get back there and those uprights look like you're trying to kick through a fork. Like, that's how you know you're in bad shape. <laughs> is when the, the goalposts looks like they're, you know, you can't even fit a football between them. And so, yeah, I was really just trying to get that consistency of kicking the ball straight and, and, and you know, down the middle of the uprights. But yeah, the, the leg strength was never really my issue. And that was just, you know, from being a goalie and kicking soccer balls uh, for hours and hours as a kid. It's a coincidence there because Andy played soccer in high school too, and he got burnt out after three years. But instead of turning to another sport, uh, Andy, you turned to what beer and cheese it's <laughs> cheese dip, cheese dip, yeah. <laughs> you went cheese dip. Okay. Fair enough. He's first team in that for sure. <laughs> so Jeff, you walk on at UF at 97 and only get in one game made the kick. Um, you end up red shirting and this is before the days of, uh, where we were like kicker you that you pretty much started. Um, and obviously, um, great success followed with Sturgis and Panero and McPherson. So what do you remember the competition being like when you came out? I know you said you're one kick away from being out there. Yeah. It, um, so Collins Cooper was the, so Bart Edmiston had just graduated after the 96 national championship year and Collins Cooper was sort of the incumbent who was an also also a walk on and, and then had gotten a scholarship. And so I actually grew up playing soccer with Collins's brother and Collins and my brother played soccer together here in Jacksonville. And I still keep in touch with Collins, but that was it was good and bad, right? It was good because I was familiar with him. We knew each other. We had this this personal connection. But then it was also bad because we're also competing against each other. (laughs) And so it made it a little bit awkward. And I was an 18 year old freshman trying to find my way in in college and in life. And so um, uh, but it it sort of gave me a little bit more comfort than I would if I walked into that locker room and didn't know anybody. Um, So I, I felt like I could compete. I just needed to wait for I needed to develop a little bit more than wait for my opportunity. And Unfortunately, it happened, uh, you know, in the 98, the Tennessee game. But 
I honestly, when I got to kick that first extra point against, I think it was Central Michigan, we were up 70, 67 to six or something. I was like, this will be the only time I'm, I ever get to play. Like, I'm so glad I got to score one point for Florida. And, um, wow. and then, you know, I had to go back and get an additional year of eligibility because at that point in time, if you played, that was an entire year, no matter if it was one play or a hundred plays, if you played, that was an entire year of eligibility. So um, so then when I did get my opportunity, I, I still wasn't completely comfortable that I should be the starter, but I was just like the next guy in line. And I was able to take the opportunities that happened to me and, and do well enough with them to keep my job. And it was really, really hard at a place like Florida when we were there and we were playing and we were winning every year, they bring in the number one kicker in the nation, the number one, you know, the number two kicker in the nation, the number one kicker in the state of Florida. And you start to wonder like, geez, am I going to have to, am I going to have to do this every single year? Like, what do I have to do to sort of like cement my place? And so I was able to do that, you know, fortunately enough and start for four years. But um, yeah, it was the constant grind of trying to keep yourself up and keep your game elevated that I think um, I did really, really well at that stage in my life. Not so good when I was, you know, trying to chase it in the NFL. Yeah, well, I imagine that that fear, right? That fear of every year that someone else is coming in obviously has to drive you to, like you were just saying, to to hone your craft and make sure you're not getting lazy. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, it, <laughs> at the time I was like, Oh, another one, we got another, you know, McDonald's all Gatorade, all American, like, Oh, fantastic. But I, you know, after, you know, a couple of years, I started saying, well, like, look, they, they're going through the same process I went through two years ago or three years ago. So I need to use the experience that I have as my advantage. And so I think I got more comfortable with comfortable with it as I got, um, older and I started having more success, but yeah, there's, you know, there's a couple of years there where I for sure was watching recruiting rankings and seeing what was going on. And I mean, to be honest with you, my whole story goes back to, um, recruiting in the year 1997, when I was coming out of high school, uh, TJ Tucker was the kicker that Florida had recruited he ends up getting signed by the Expos in the major league baseball draft and doesn't even come to Florida. So there's a spot instantly for me to come in. They need a kicker. They don't have one in the class. So it's like, guys, if you were to like roll back all these certain things that happened throughout my time at Florida, it really is like just one thing after another of me just kind of being in the right place at the right time. And then when I had my opportunity, I was able to capitalize on it. So a lot of it is luck, but you know, you still have to, perform when it's your chance. And, and I, I was able to do that, you know, pretty consistently during, during my days at UF. Your opportunity in 98, you played the full season. So you took advantage of it. Right. And that season ends in the orange bowl. You guys knock off Syracuse and Donovan McNabb, right? Is that one of the games that you remember playing against somebody like Donovan McNabb? And are there other players that stick out in your mind that you played in college that sort of stick out in your mind? Like, yeah, I remember that game with him and, and tell stories about it. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned Donovan McNabb. I have a very vivid memory of that experience. We were playing in the orange bowl, like you said, and we used to have during bowl week days to have these combined team functions. So it'd be like a luau on the beach or a Cuban night on the beach in Miami beach. And so they'd have, you know, the Syracuse team over here and Gators over here. I remember standing in line next to Donovan McNabb and I was like, look, this is crazy to me. <laughs> like, here I am, you know, and I'm standing next to Donovan McNabb. I forget who else. I think Donovan Darius might have been playing for them, too. And they had a bunch of other guys. But, yeah, that was the first time I remember being like pretty starstruck 
of like, wow, I'm, I'm sharing the field with this guy. Um, I, I had the same feeling, like, even though I didn't play against Peyton Manning, but I was on the field in 97 when uh, we beat him for the fourth time in a row. But like, I remember seeing that and being like, wow, you know, I've seen this guy play these last three, four years in college and just being kind of awestruck. But um, yeah, and then, you know, we played Miami in the Sugar Bowl, 2001 Sugar Bowl after the 2000 season. And the, the collection of talent that that team had, sure. you know, I think every single one of those guys ended up being in the NFL for multiple years. But yeah, it's moments like that where you're like, wow, this is this is a this is a big time game that we're playing in. Also that year, you had three tackles on special teams. Do you uh um <laughs> do you remember those tackles and is that something you thought about during kickoffs and maybe kind of didn't want to happen? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember those tackles, which is like it's kind of shocking because I didn't have too many of them, so you would think I could probably remember like four or five, but I don't remember those. I do have a couple of other vivid memories of tackles or attempted tackles that I have, but yeah, I was not one that would run towards contact. If they got through, I was just trying to hold them up so that's, you know, one of the fast guys could come chase them down. But, um, my, I, I got a 15 yard face mask penalty on Rondell Mealy back against LSU. And I think it was like 1998 because he was coming right <laughs> in the middle and I wasn't about to take him on, sure. you know, chest to chest or I wasn't going to dive at his knees. So I threw my hands at his face and grabbed his face mask and took him down. So <laughs> that's my claim to fame, my 15-yard penalty against Rondell Neely. How did Spurrier react to that? Was he cool with it? I saved the touchdown, <laughs> so that's all he really cared about. So speaking of Spurrier, you played – John mentioned you played a little bit of wide receiver in high school, but unfortunately we didn't see any receiving stats at UF, no fake field goals or anything like that. Did you ever get in his ear about you being able to run a pattern or anything like that? My biggest regret is that I didn't campaign hard enough for that right. when I was at Florida because he was the perfect coach for it. Um, he would have loved probably to do, you know, to work something like that in. But yeah, you know, he they allowed me, uh, we played, I think, Miami of Ohio to start the 2000 season. I think it was 2000. And he let me kick the ball off like a little dribble kick right to myself to pick the ball up. <laughs> which I thought was like, Hey, throw me a bone. I'll take it. You know, it's not a fake field goal, but you know, it still gives me a little bit of glory and make me feel like a football player a little bit. So they, he let me do that, but um, we never really practiced fake field goals or anything like that. He was, I think he was just kind of like a field goals, like a, a necessity that he didn't want to have to deal <laughs> with because it means he didn't score a touchdown. So um, I, I just, yeah, for whatever reason, I, I used to see all these other kickers around the country and they, you know, do the ones where the, the holder flips it over his back sure. and kicker runs around him and catches it. And I'm like, Oh, that's my dream <laughs> right there. But unfortunately, you know, my number was uh, never called in that coach Berger let me kick a lot of field goals a lot more than he probably would have wanted me to kick. Well, now with the old ball coach being a kicker too, did, did he offer any like hands-on uh, coaching on the kicking or offer any uh, technique advice? It's funny you mention that because yes, he punting and kicking <laughs> advice because you know that's what helped him win the Heisman, and he would tell us that till you know the sun went down about how great he was at kicking. But you know his style is not applicable to today, so I, I had to remind him that we make a more athletic move when we kick. Yes, compared to you know the little Papa shot kick, like the straight on George Blanda kick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's two steps, exactly. kick. Yeah, yeah. He would, he would always, because we would always get out to practice. You know, thirty, 
30 minutes early to warm up because our, our period of practice was always the first period. So the guys would stretch and then we'd go in the special teams. And so while everybody else is getting their pads on, we were already out at the field. So he'd come out there early with us and he'd start to say, well, you know, you know, Jeff, I used to, I used to kick a few field goals. And so he would kind of tell us, you know, how great he was. Well, what do you, what do you think about this? You know, and he even would give our punters some tips on what he thought they should do. And you just kind of like nod and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And then when he leaves, you're like, all right, we're going back to what we were doing normally, you know? Um, but yeah, he was, he was always very, uh, you know, would spend time with us just not, not necessarily like, time that really mattered but just being around us which i think made made us feel like a, a bigger part of the team because he was never in special teams meetings or anything like that he was too busy focused on the offense so we sort of craved that you know maybe 15 or 20 minutes that we got before practice with him very cool stories i imagine any attention you got from him had to be a plus i mean he is the yeah, leader that's great that's great so to that end, in 99, you got put on scholarship. Do you remember how the old Bow College told you? Was it, was it, I'm sure that must have been a special experience. It was. And, like, I see all the Twitter and, like, all the social media stuff that goes on now with kids getting these scholarships. And I'm like, man, like, it would be so cool to capture that moment that I had in that manner, right? To have somebody filming it and, and you know, to be able to, like, relive that experience. Right now, it's just a memory. I don't have any video of it or anything like that. And so it was it was like right at the end of two a days and we had a guy transfer. And so I'm doing the numbers kind of in my head saying, well, I think that opens up another scholarship. Like, man, like I'm looking around and I'm like, is, is that guy going to get a scholarship? Or, you know, is that guy going to get a scholarship? And I'm like starting to get a little nervous. Like maybe like I'm looking around going, maybe it's me that's like up for the scholarship. And so there was like a practice um, at the end of two, two a days we were in the stadium and we got done with practice and coach Spurrier said, well, you know, he called everybody together and it was just like you see on these videos. And he said, you know, so-and-so left the team. So that opens up one spot and, and, you know, he started kind of going and, and then he said, you know, we're going to give this to, to Jeff Chandler for, you know, we feel like he's put in enough time. He's done the work. So we're, we're really excited to put you on scholarship. And I was like, you know, I was like blown away, you know, and, Immediately, they, they once practice is done, they're like, come on up to the office and sign your paperwork. And I didn't have a cell phone at that time. You know, it was like 1999. And so I'm like, can I call, like, can I use the office line to call my parents and tell my parents, you know? <laughs> and so it's just one of those things where it happened so quickly, but yet I was so, so thrilled. And then to get back and tell my, all my buddies and everybody that had kind of been with me since, since I started playing football, it was a really monumental experience. And I wish I, I could have savored it and been able to relive it time and time again. But, you know, it's just a story that I tell and relive in my mind now. Having been put on scholarship at UF, do you think your parents had any regrets? <laughs> like thinking maybe they could have sent you to, to Georgia and you could have got a free ride? <laughs> no, I, I, I think they were happy that I saved them the two years of, you know, the last two years of my college education that they didn't have to pay for. <laughs> that's right. That's um, right. So, yeah, they, I, I still tell them, like, what you do with all that money? Like, I didn't like, get this like magical college fund when I graduated. Like, where, where did all this money go? I'm like, oh, no. we use that to go chase you around the country. And that's, watch fair. The games, that's fair. That's you fair. Know? I'm like, oh, that's a good point. So, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. yeah. So, in 1999, you really start to cement your legacy in the orange and blue, right? Your field goal percentage 87.5 uh, first in the sec tied for best in the nation your first team all sec finalist for the Lou grows uh, place kicker of the year award for the first time you received the ray graves award uf's most valuable player and also named uf's outstanding special teams player 
you know, so you're getting really consistent. Do you think earning that scholarship gave you more confidence, made you feel more comfortable being in that position to where you can focus more on the kicking? What, what factored into that success that year? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I do like, I do think that it, it sort of put me at ease, right? I didn't have to look over my shoulder necessarily and be like, who's next? Uh, I was able to just really calm down and, and focus on kicking in, in those, in those games and in those moments. And so, um, yeah, it was a little bit of an adjustment for me too. I was like, you know, I get these tutors that are available to me and I get like free breakfast and I get, you know, I'm moving into this new locker room. Like, wow, this is great. I get a free pair of tennis shoes. Like, so there was some of that that just sort of gave you like a, an emotional bump of like, Hey, I've kind of made it, you know? And I think that that really put me at ease and allowed me to just focus on, the football part of it, not worry about what was happening off the field. It's just, I knew everything was sort of taken care of, but it was a, that 99 season was, uh, it's kind of funny how it all came together then. Um, it wasn't something that was building. It just kind of happened. So you said it calmed you down, but I mean, kickers are put in some high pressure situations that, you know, as fans, I can't imagine what it's like to be in. Did you ever have any issues with the stress going out to make the big kick or did you have, superstitions or any kind of a routine that you did every time to make sure you were set up the right way or making sure you were in the best position to make the kick? Yeah, I didn't really have any like superstitions during the game. I would always kind of get dressed the same way, but um, I, I try Like people ask me about this all the time. Like, were you, did you ever get nervous or were you ever like worried when you were going out there to kick? And I, I never really remember this. Like I've been in re- very, very loud stadiums, right? A big play happens and you're in Tennessee or in LSU and, crowd goes nuts. But when I'm out there kicking like home or away, I never really remember like one specific moment where I was like, gosh, this crowd is really loud. And to me, that was just like, all right, you're locked in. Like you're not worried about anything else. You're worried about two things. You're worried about the ball getting back to the holder and the holder putting the ball down. And so I, I don't, I just really like, it was like almost a calm when you ran out onto that field, you had that, you know, 35 yard jog to get to the middle of the field and I think that's what really just kind of helped settle me down. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really remember having that like terrifying moment where I felt like I couldn't handle the situation. Never really felt like that during any of my time at Florida. I guess that's why you're the all-time yeah right <laughs> leading scorer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man, that's true. Because what I was going to say was the ability to just you know let it roll off your back and not affect you. You may not have been the number one ranked kicker in the nation coming in every year. But the ones that were coming in, maybe they didn't have that ability, you know, so they couldn't handle it. Right. There's a growth that happens between like what you do in high school. And I saw it with other positions, right? We, we, we signed five-star quarterbacks and linemen and, and you just see like once they get to college, maybe they've already peaked, right? They, they've hit their ceiling. And so I had not hit my ceiling. Some of these other guys that came in probably had hit their ceiling. And so I still had the, the ability to grow um, into my position. So yeah, I, uh, I do think playing multiple sports and being in a bunch of different scenarios sort of helped me adjust to the pressure situations that I faced at Florida. You know, regardless of how small they were at the time, I think you take little bits and pieces of each of those experiences and try to, you know, stack them on top of each other to really get to a, a good space mentally. And I think I was able to do that for the most part. I remember like a healthy dose of nerves before the game. And I was like, this is good. That means you, you care and you're, you're in it. And so I remember that. And then being able to sort of harness those nerves during the game was, 
was what I really felt like I did a pretty good job of over the course of my time at, at Florida. We played in some massive games, and I, I never really felt like I couldn't handle that situation. That's amazing. So you talked a little bit about people, you know, peaking early right before they get to college. Kickers and punters, a lot of times you see, they're some of the bigger guys on the team, quite honestly, uh, obviously besides the linemen, but usually a lot of them are big weight room guys. Did you add, you know, a lot of weight when you got to Florida to in, improve or, or not improve, but I guess add distance to your kicks? Or did you, were you kind of the same distance you were in high school? Yeah, I, th- I, I probably add, I added some weight, but I, <laughs> I attribute a lot of that to college. Sure. Um, Another feeling. I, I wasn't getting, <laughs> yeah, I was, um, I wasn't the biggest workout rat when I got there. But then again, you know, it's like, you're not, you're not really doing everything that the rest of the guys are doing. But once I was able to get into like the more specific uh, lifting regiment for kickers, as opposed to doing what the offensive linemen are doing or what the defensive backs are doing, once they sort of tailored my conditioning program and everything I was doing to like what I need, fast twitch muscles, like speed, quick, quick, quick. um, That's when I started to notice the improvements in the distance. Um, So I always had the, 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 the ability to hit the ball hard. It was just like getting optimizing. That is what I really think took my, the the strength and the power to the next level. Um, But yeah, some guys just get there and they can't, I saw it numerous times that that they couldn't figure out ways to generate more power, uh, you know, more torque around the ball, or if they're punters, you know, trying to figure out ways to get their, you know, more flexibility. It was just guys just, they, or in high school, you go from like a one inch tee down to the ground in college. And a lot of guys back in that time had trouble going, dropping that one inch from a tee in high school into the ground. And, you know, they're just taking divots like you're hitting a nine iron in golf. And so that is a little bit of a struggle. I was fortunate enough. I had a guy that kind of mentored me here in Jackson and he's like, kick off the ground as soon as you can, because that's what you're going to do in college. And so I didn't really have that adjustment period, but yeah, some guys just couldn't handle it. And um, it sort of messes with them mentally. And, you know, from there, kickers can be head cases and can spiral. And, uh, you know, I saw it happen to a couple guys while I was there. Your longest kick was 54 yards. I think it was against the Bulldogs, Yeah. oddly enough. What was your personal best? And then also, if I guess we've talked about social media differences now. If YouTube was around back then, would there have been videos out there? You, you know, cranking... 70 yarders through the uprights or anything like that? What, what, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah. But that 54 yard field goal was like still my, everybody always asks me, what's your biggest field goal, your best, most favorite. That's always going to be my answer because uh, it was in Jacksonville. It was, uh, I was just born and raised here. I had a bunch of friends and family and it was against Georgia. And so, um, and at that point in time, I think we were tied 17, 17. It put us up 20 to 17. We ended up winning 34, 17, something like that. So, it, at that moment in the game, it was a big kick, my longest kick. And so that is, you know, still my my go-to. What was the second part of that question? What was your personal best? And then also just would you have been putting videos out there for, oh, yeah. you know, bombers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would do what kids do nowadays. They, they go and find, like, the, the furthest they can kick it downwind. <laughs> They're standing, you know, back at like the 20 yard line or the 25 or 30 yard line. They're kicking like with a 40 mile an hour wind behind them. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah, I would have done that. Uh, I thought Evan did some cool stuff when he was there, like kicking the ball and like 
unscrewing a water bottle that's like 50 yeah. feet up in the air. It's like, <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, we would have, um, we probably could have come up with some cool stuff like that, that we were doing back in the days. That's the thing is like, we've been doing this stuff. We just never had video of it. Right. <laughs> we've right. been doing a lot of the stuff that you see like guys spinning footballs and then kicking them through the uprights. And um, we were doing it and like snapping, like hitting crazy targets and stuff. We were doing all that. We just didn't have a way to get it out there necessarily. We sort of set the table and these guys are coming through and cleaning up. You mentioned earlier being involved in a lot of big games. Um, 99, you guys lose that SEC championship game to Bama, but bounce back in 2000, beat Auburn, uh, Spurrier's final championship, take the SEC title. Um, what memories do you have of that? Do you wear your SEC championship ring often? I, I do not. Um, I wear it for like big, um, big events around like Florida football. So if, if uh, I'm going to uh, speak at a Gator club around Jacksonville, around Florida, those types of opportunities, I'll get it. Cause I know a lot of people like to see it. Um, I, I don't even know if my kids have really spent a lot of time looking at it, but I, I, I don't really wear it a lot. Um, but yeah, the, we got beat the year before by Alabama really bad 31 to six. Um, Remember you scored early, like the first minute and then got shut out the rest of the way in that one. Yeah. It was like 31 to seven or something. Yeah. That's like the most boring game for me. I only went on the field twice, three times, once to kick the extra point and, and then the, you know, the two kickoffs once at the halftime and once after the touchdown. But, and I, I just remember like the, the intensity the following year was like, all right, you know, like we really need to like focus here. We're not going to let what happened last year happen again. And so, um, being, you know, beating Auburn in that championship game was, uh, was, was a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately they got us back the very next year, but, um, at that moment in time, that was my like favorite football memory. It probably still is, um, when all is said and done to be able to win an SEC championship, you know, we were kind of after the, the, the group that came before us, they won four SECs in a national championship, like. We, we felt almost like failures because it had taken us that long to get to another one and get and win another one. And so to sort of keep that tradition alive of winning SEC championships felt really good. Not only did you win the SEC title that year in 2000, but you had a hell of a year yourself. Again, a semifinalist for the Lou Groza Award. You kicked your longest field goal, like you said, of your career that year, 54 yards. You set the record at the time for UF in field goals and all-time points leader that year. What meant more to you, the individual records that year or bringing home that SEC title? Um, I think at the moment it was bringing home the SEC title. I, I I was really happy that I played a part in the team's success. You know, as a kicker, you can you can have a great game, but the team loses. It, it's not a great feeling, right? And you can conversely, you can have a bad game, the team wins, and you feel great, right? Um, I was like obviously more happy that we won the SEC um, championship. I, I felt like, you know, if, if our team's doing well, that means that I'm doing well. We've got great athletes. We've got great players. So I was happy that we won the SEC championship. And, and you know, just the fact that, you know, we had a successful season special teams wise, I think was just icing on the cake. And it sort of propelled me and to allow me to get more accolades and, and stuff like that, which I wasn't really craving, but, um, it certainly felt good being a kicker and to earn, earn the respect of the guys in the locker room based on the success that we had and the su success that I had too. Your senior year is 2001, uh, named the Sporting News uh, Nation's top place kicker before the season. Now that's got to be amazing being recognized like that. 
what did you save uh, that cover or the article? I'm sure you have that issue framed somewhere. That's got to be pretty cool. Yeah, you know, it's my parents still have a lot of this stuff. They keep giving me more and more of it every time I go over there. They're like, "Here's another <laughs> box you haven't picked up yet." And I'm like, "All right." And so, but that's been really fun because my kids have sort of been able to look at it and they said, dad, what's a newspaper? And I go, okay, hold on. Let me tell you about a newspaper. My dad used to get, he used to go to the grocery store every year when those like preseason magazines would come out and he would scoop up every version of that magazine. There'd be a Florida one, there'd be a Florida state one, there'd be a Miami one. And so, yeah, we've got all that kind of stuff kind of sitting around here. It is fun every now and then to just go back and reminisce and look at, look at some of the other names that are in that magazine kind of show my kids like, Hey, I played football against that guy, you know, and they think it's really cool. Um, but yeah, my dad used to always tell me when, when, uh, he was talking about his days running track, he's like, the older I get, the better I was. And so I kind of have that mentality now too. It's like, I'm, I'm telling all these stories to my kids about how great I, I was. I don't, <laughs> I don't really know how true it is, but I'm embellishing a little bit for my kids. So, um, I want them to think that dad was was cool when he played football, even though I was a kicker. Well, nobody else can say they're the all-time leading scorer at UF, right? So that's got to stand for something. Yeah, that is, like, hands down the, the best, like, the coolest thing that I have still that I'm holding on to. You know, I I, I know that there's going to be guys that will kick more field goals or um, their accuracy might be higher than mine. But to say that, like, nobody in the history of Florida football has scored more points than me Every year I kind of get to start the clock again. If there's a new kicker that comes in, I'm like, okay, I got probably four years. And then, okay, if he doesn't do it, okay, then I got probably another four years, you know? And so that's kind of how I look at it. Um, I do honestly think somebody's going to break it. The way that they, you know, offenses, they're scoring so many points now. Even though we did we did a lot too, um, they have an extra game now. They count bowl games now for scoring purposes. We didn't have um, – they didn't do that when I played. So – it's, it's bound to happen and I'll be fine with it when it does. It's, it's amazing that it's lasted this long. Um, considering all the guys that came through when, when Urban Meyer was the coach, just the prolific scoring that we had, it just sort of never really lined up where you had one guy that was there for four years doing, doing this. So it's sort of the one piece of trivia that somebody who knows me when they introduce me to people, that's what they always say. I bet you don't know who the all-time leading scorer in Florida football history is. And so Are you kidding? Um, if, if I were you, I, every shirt I owned would have that on. <laughs> you kicked yeah, more extra right. points than anybody. That means you've seen more Gator touchdowns than just about anybody, except maybe the ball coach. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Good points. Yeah, that's what I. That's what I was joking. Like everybody always says that when they say, "Who do you think is the all-time leading scorer?" And they'll say Tim Tebow, and I go. No, actually, you're wrong. It's me. And he was getting them at six at a time. I was getting them one at a time, you know? So I was like, I had to do a lot more. Um, but yeah, it, it was, he came surprisingly close. I think he was the closest. Uh, and I think Evan probably would have gotten there. Uh, I, I just, I was not sad to see him leave Florida early. I love the Gators, but uh, he would have probably gotten to my record had he stayed. I think the Bengals are pretty happy he left too. That worked out all right yes. for them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so in exactly 2001, right. you're selected first team All-SEC for the second time. You ended your career with 16 straight field goals made. That was the longest streak at UF. Is that still standing today? That is a great question, and I wish I knew the answer to I think it might be because I don't, I, I, I don't know if anybody has had you know, maybe more than 16. I think Evan probably did, but I think he probably missed one in between. But um, I, I 
was kicking so bad. I think it was three to three for six to start the year. And I was really frustrated. I said, all right, I got to do something different. And I was like, I'm not going to shave until I miss a field goal. And 16 field goals later, it was like, I don't know, six games. It was like a month and a half or two months or something. I didn't shave and, and it worked. And so, um, yeah, that's what I remember. I remember like just kind of, it was the Auburn game that we lost is when I sort of got back into my, into feeling like I was kicking the ball well, which was frustrating too, because I'm starting to feel good and we, we just get beaten over time, you know? Um, so that was or on the last second field goal. I don't think it was overtime, but we got beat on the last second field goal. So it's like, personally, I was like back in my groove, but you know, at the same time, I didn't want to lose that game. So we talked about some of your, your greatest memories already. The, the Auburn game to take the SEC championship, your 54 yarder against Georgia, Looking back, what are kind of your worst memories or a worst memory that you had? <laughs> you guys know, I'm assuming. The Alabama, Alabama? game. Yeah. 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 Point. yeah. We were there. We were there, Andy. Yeah. My memory's not that good. So we, I missed an extra point in overtime. And then the Alabama kicker came on. I think they scored, um, the you know, whatever in their four plays. or And their kicker came on. And he actually missed the extra point, too. But we had jumped off sides, so they got to do it again, and he made it. Um, yeah. But there's crazy thing about that story is that kicker at Alabama, we went to high school together. He was a year older than me. Oh. <laughs> so we, we both played the same high school. Wow. His sister and I were really good friends in high school. And so it was, you know, one of those things. But I could go into all the other things that happened during that game that we should not have been in the position where we were tied with them and going into overtime. But I'm not going to do that because it was, I completely screwed up and, um, you know, I missed way more extra points than I should have in college. And I think it was just, you know, just a lack of focus. We might've been up in certain games by 25 or 30 points. And so I was like, ah, what's one point going to make a difference. And I think I just had a little lapse in focus in that Alabama game. And I got hate mail after that, which was uh, new. You know, at that point in time, it was physical mail. There's no like Twitter beat ups or anything like that. It was some guy actually took the time to write a letter and send it to the locker room. And so uh, I think I still have that too. So along with the newspaper articles <laughs> and the magazines, I still have the hate oh, mail. Oh, man. <laughs> you did a lot more good than that, man. So your good far yeah, outweighed that, sure. that. Yeah, going from having the mindset of, wow, I just scored one point for the Florida Gators you know, you know, in 97 to becoming the all-time points leader. You know, I think that's just a little blip in your career. But one one question I have, and I think we've sort of answered that, is do you feel you get enough respect as the all-time leading scorer for UF? Uh, one of my one of my passions is collecting uh, Gator cards and, and autographs of, you know, all my favorite players. And there are no cards of Jeff Chandler, right? Uh yeah. You know, um, when I got to play in the senior bowl in Mobile and it was, you know, the collection of seniors before the NFL draft and they actually gave us player cards. That's the only like, card that exists for Jeff Chandler yes. is your senior bowl card. I know it. God look. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they have I've commemorative got... sets of all time greats. How do you not include the all time leading, leading scorer for your university? I don't get it. I don't know. Sorry. I'm a little upset about that. <laughs> No, I appreciate it. Keep fighting the good fight. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, we have another connection uh, that you might not know about. You've, you've mentioned your brother a few times. Your brother and his wife, Kate, actually were my youngest daughter, Michaela's soccer coach. They were on the same team with your niece, Cameron. Um, 
and, oh, yes. and Valerie um, was the, the older sister was the assistant coach. So um, I, I'm in Wellington and uh, yeah, yeah the, the Chandlers taught my girl how to kick. That's fantastic. I was just, they're coming up for Thanksgiving, so I can't wait to see them all. So that is, that's well, awesome. Tell them Sid and Big Kick Mix say hello. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, were you not going to tell us that, Sid? <laughs> yeah, I didn't oh, know about this. I, I, wanted, I was saving that for the show. I wanted the live, genuine response from you guys. That was a good nugget. What a small world. <laughs> it really is. Amazing. All right, so you get drafted, fourth round by the Niners. Kind of, what are your thoughts kind of going into the draft that year? Did you kind of have an idea of where you were going to go? What were your expectations? Very low expectations. I had talked to talked to professional teams and they came down to Florida. You know, we had our pro day and there was a couple teams. You know, it's not like everybody needs a wide receiver. Everybody needs a lineman. There's maybe three or four teams each year that probably need a kicker or going to do something on the, on the special teams front. And so... Um, my agent and I had kind of like pegged a few teams. And so we were Jacksonville had come down. They had just, um, they, they had just gotten rid of their kicker. And so we felt like Jacksonville was an opportunity. I was like, man, this would be great. Like how perfect. And, uh, I think Jacksonville told us that they would, if I was still available by the, in the sixth round that they would draft me. But then they told me that they don't think you're going to be around in the sixth round. And so I was like, all right, this is great. (laughs) And um, San Francisco had flown in the Tuesday before the NFL draft and said, we'd like to schedule a workout with you. So they flew all the way from San Francisco to Gainesville. I had Jonathan Lively and Brian Stoner, my snapper and holder. I said, guys, I need you for like an hour. Just come out here and snap and hold for me. I'll take you to dinner. We'll do whatever. And so they came out and I I had a like a flawless workout. I think I was 15 for 15 on field goals. And I think I, I hit 10 kickoffs and they were all like, you know, four second hang time and going back in, into the end zone. And so I was like, man, I really nailed it. And I remember telling my roommate at the time, I was like, I, I think I might've just like helped myself out big time. And I, I don't think San Francisco wanted us to tell any of the other teams that they were there. And so when it was their turn to draft, they ended up trading, traded a pick with the Buffalo Bills and they jumped up and I got a phone call at my parents' house and my dad answered the phone. They said, uh, hey, this is uh, Bruce. This is Jeff there. And my dad thought it was a friend of mine from high school named Bruce. And so I was like, hey, Bruce, what's going on? What's going on? And he's like, hey, Jeff, this is Coach DeHaven, the 49ers. He's like, are you watching TV? And I said, yeah. He goes, we're calling your name right now. Wow. And this is the, so the draft at the time was a, I think it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Friday was like the first round. Saturday and Sunday were, or Saturday was second and third. And then Sunday was the fourth one, fourth through seventh. And so my parents had said, yeah, let's have a little party in the afternoon. Like hopefully you'll, you know, if you get drafted, great. If not, we'll sign a free agent deal and we'll figure out where you're going to go, you know, what team you're going to play for in the NFL. So like have everybody come over at two o'clock. It'd be about right. You know, seventh round probably be starting about then, you know, maybe we're, we're, We've been picked. And so I got picked at like 1115. <laughs> and so the draft started at 11. I was the fourth pick of the fourth round. I started calling my friends. I go, hurry up. Like the party <laughs> is starting now. Um, uh, they were able to like stop by and get like a, a San Francisco 49ers had at like a local sporting goods store here, which is crazy to me that they even had one back then. But, you know, that very next weekend you go out and have a mini camp. And so I was still a little unsure as to like what their plans were for me because they had a kicker that was like, wasn't the worst, but it wasn't, you know, in the top half of the league. Right. And so we were competing and they tracked every single kick during the entire training camp, my rookie year. And then they came up to me at the end of training camp. They said, "Mm, well, you know how we were tracking everything. You actually won, but we'd like for you to gain a little bit more experience. And 
that was sort of a common theme throughout my NFL time was that I'd go on workouts even after I got cut and they'd tell me, yeah, you had a great workout. We just don't think you have enough experience. And I, you know, I had to step back and say, well, like you knew when you flew me out here, what my experience was. Did you think I was going to like just magically like gain this in the plane ride over here? And it was almost like they just needed to create this sort of competition, if you will, but they pretty much knew who they wanted to, uh, to sign at that point in time. And so, you know, I did that for a few years after my time in San Francisco and was able to latch on here and there, but I, I sort of knew that the time was coming to an end and the phone calls were, were not happening on, you know, Monday morning, Tuesday morning after the weekend. And so I was like, I think it might be time for me to give this, give this up and start to figure out what else I'm going to do with my life. And so, yeah, I'm glad I got to chase it, but, um, you know, it was uh, a lot different. I really enjoyed the time at Florida way more than the NFL and people are going to think I'm crazy, but it was like, I was spent four years with a lot of those guys and we were all around the same age. When you get to the NFL, you're dealing with guys that have, you know, multiple kids and they, they're older and they, they've been in the league for a dozen years and they're at just a different stage in their life. And I really enjoyed the camaraderie on the college side more than I did in, in the NFL, and, you know. I don't know how much it affected me, but I, I certainly wish I could have played college football for 10 years as opposed to going to the NFL. We've heard that from a lot of the guys we've talked to doing this, that, you know, they, re, they remember their time back in college a lot more that, you know, and had a lot more fun than when they did get to the pros. And we even had a, you know, a few guys that left early, you know, they talked to us about kind of the regrets. They wish they would have maximized their time in college. So it's interesting to hear you say that as well. Yeah, preach it because I mean, my dad used to tell me like college is the best four years of your life, you know, and I, <laughs> he's exactly right. And, uh, you know, the fact that I got to do it with a bunch of guys playing football, like I think that's, it was even better, but I got to go there with kids that I grew up with playing soccer and then I went to high school with, like it was a really great college experience and, and the success that we had, I think helped contributed to that. But yeah, the NFL, you know, it was like, imagine like your boss is watching you like write out an email or listening to every phone call that you make to a customer. Like that's what it is in the, in the NFL. I mean, they're watching you warm up. They're watching, you know, they're, they're talking to the, the weightlifting coach about like, is this guy in here? You know? And so it's sort of um, the micromanaging, but I, you know, I, I lost some confidence and that's a killer when you're a kicker. And um, you know, when I was talking to you guys earlier about how the field goals look like a fork. That's sort of when I was like, all right, I might be in trouble here. You know, it's starting to look like that a little too frequent for me. Why didn't you just grow out your beard? <laughs> I, I grew out my hair. Maybe that was the problem. I, grew, I, I quit cutting my hair. I maybe should have just quit cutting my beard. We play a game called five for five. I'm going to name five uh, players, past or present, and you tell us what thoughts come to your mind uh, okay. immediately. You ready? Yes. First one, Judd Davis. The Godfather. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the godfather of florida kicking i know like there's some guys that played before judd but to win the groza for him I, you know that was a uh, yeah i still he still kind of hangs that over my head every now and then who won the groza awards over you those two years that you were a semifinalist? do you remember yeah uh sebastian janikowski I think, oh um, he was a beast a couple, yeah and then um yeah, there was a guy from um, Cincinnati who had like a crazy year. He was like 26 for 27, you know. He, I don't think his longest field goal was more than about 44 yards, but he just he just had an incredible year. And that was what I was kind of up against. You get those one guy, that, that one guy that just has like an unbelievable year. Caleb Sturgis. 
Uh, um, and he's got the volume of field goals over you by like, about what, three? Yeah, he's uh, solid, I would say. C- Caleb was, uh, and I like Caleb a lot. Um, he was, felt like he was going to get the job done when he ran out there on the field. Like, I just felt like he was going to make it every single time. But how was he not successful in the pros? What's your opinion? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it is like situational stuff. Like maybe he just wasn't in a good situation. Um, it's weird. Kicking is fickle. And, you know, he ended up having success. I think he had didn't have success early in his career and then sort of latched on with, I think it was the Eagles and had some success or maybe it was the, the uh, San Diego Chargers. But yeah, it... it I don't know. You know, you see guys like Eddie's been kind of bouncing around the NFL and he's kind of in a good spot right now. Like, it's just one of those things. Like sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't. Next one, Eddie Pinheiro. Uh, like freak talent. When I first saw him, like freak, um, the way that he hit that ball. I mean, yeah, he was, he was incredible, incredible talent. So the other, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's kicking for Carolina, right? Yep. And I don't know if you saw the game, but he missed the game tying field Extra goal. Point. Then he missed the field goal where they could have won it in overtime. Uh, they end up losing the game and it was just, I felt so bad for him. If you're sitting down and you're watching a, a football game, pro or college, and the kicker is having that hard of a time. I mean, do you feel it personally? Yeah. I mean, I, I think every kicker that, that you talk to would sort of say the same thing that like, they don't want to see anybody go through that, but yeah, it, it definitely, you feel it, you know exactly what they're going through and it sucks. It is awful. Um, yeah. Thank God I didn't live in an age of like social media because I can only imagine like how damaging that can be to a guy after a, a poor performance, but yeah, certainly feel for him. Evan McPherson. Perfection. Like I, I just think the way like his motion, how he hits the ball, it's, even Judd told me back when he used to watch it, Evan at Florida, it was like the ball makes a different sound when it comes off of his foot. And it's, you know, kicking is similar to like golf. You can tell like the good guys that have it. And like, yeah, I just think Evan, incredible. I mean, I, I, it, that's when like he's a much better kicker than I was at Florida. He might just not have the stats. But. So Evan's got field goal percentage on you, right? Caleb's got the yeah. number of field goals, but nobody's got more points. Nobody. That's right. <laughs> Take that, boys. <laughs> exactly. All right. Last one. Uh, Adam <laughs> Mahalik, their current kicker. I don't. I can't say this in one word, but it looks. He look. Forty nine looks great out there. <laughs> I love seeing the forty nine out there kicking again. Um, also a walk on. Also a walk on. Yes. Uh, he's got the sleeve full sleeve tattoo too, which I think is a strong move for a kicker. Um, I know it's tough. But- yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I do. I, it's, it's great watching a walk on. I mean, he beat, you know, he's in a similar situation. Trace Mack comes in, he's this highly recruited kid. Adam beats him out, you know, for the starting job and he's done enough to keep his job. So hopefully he's the confidence is rolling now. So who's your favorite kicker of all time? Oh, good question. College or pro? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, your favorite. Man, that's a good... Can we guess? Let's guess. Let me let me f- give give me like t- yeah. You guys think about it. I'm gonna try and come you think up. about it. We'll debate. Okay. So Andy and Sid, bring it in. Bring it in here, guys. I'm gonna go Morton Anderson. I don't know why, but I, I just that was the first kicker that came to my mind. So Andy, who who do you think? Man. Um. And don't say Ray Finkel. Laces out. <laughs> 
I don't know. I got to think about I, it. I'm going to go with Tucker because I think Jeff seems like a well-rounded man. I think he's a, like a renaissance guy and he appreciates the opera singing, kicking guy. That, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Extra points for being an opera singer while you're the best kicker in the league. All right. Back to Andy. I don't know. I was going to go with someone like a, like a, a Robbie Gould or, or a, just guys that are still doing it. They do it in the bad weather, good weather. I don't know. Yeah. I'm struggling here. Uh- <laughs> Did we give you any good options there, Jeff? Well, it's a good point that you made about guys that were doing it for a long time and did it in all sorts of conditions. I'd probably say like what Adam Vinatieri did throughout his career from, you know, he had two careers. He had the career in New England. Then he had a completely different career in Indianapolis. And that's the kicker's dream. You go from Boston and Foxborough to a dome. He... He and he was, you know, had all the fame and fortune that you could have by playing for the Patriots, and then got to go to the "quote unquote" retirement home, kicking in a dome, which is the the, the ivory kicker's dream. No wind, um, no turf issues. Um, so yeah, I and I actually had a chance to work out with the Patriots, and they almost signed me. But um, yeah, if if Adam was just a little more hurt, I would have been signed by the Patriots for for one week and, and replaced him for for a game, but. Yeah, he was um, an incredible, like, to be able to do, do what he did. He was undrafted, like, kind of just trying to find his way in football and then to have the career that he did. Amazing. Not the most physically gifted guy, but just found something that worked for him and stuck with it and honed it. Good choice. There was something about the Patriots with their kickers. I mean, they had him, and then I think when they gave Gus up Gus on him, didn't they get Gus yeah, Gus or whatever right after that? And yeah. he just kind of picked up or been Yeah, yeah. Right they've had... Like, you know, up until recently, they had two kickers for like 22 years or 25 years or something. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. So it's like the Saints with Morton Anderson. That's right. How long was he there? Like 20, 20 something, 25 years? Yeah. (laughs) Something like that. So, Jeff, you kind of downplayed your NFL experience. Obviously, um, you know, being a Gator, that's tough to top. But, I mean, you played for the 49ers. Like, like before the Patriots, that's like the most prolific winning franchise. You wore the same helmet as Jerry Rice and Joe Montana. Like, did they just drop by during, like, practices and you get to talk football with Ronnie Lott or Roger Craig? Like, what's that like? You're exactly right. Yeah, Joe Montana used to be there all the time. Um, nice. Uh, so, when I – my rookie year was the year that Jerry Rice actually left the 49ers and went to play for the Raiders. And so, you know, that first mini camp, I'm walking into the meeting room and I'm running a little bit late and I go into the meeting room, there's one seat left and it's at the top of the aisle and it's right in the middle of the aisle. So there's no like no seat in front of you. And so I go sit down and one of the veterans, I forget who it was, looked around and go, you can't sit there. And I said, why? And they said, well, that's JR's seat. And I said, okay, <laughs> all right, let me find another one. And so it was like, even though he wasn't there, he was still this kind of larger than life figure. And, you know, they sort of wanted to preserve the, his legacy, but yeah, you'd be, you'd be there and Joe Montana would be hanging out. Um, Ronnie Lott used to come, come around quite a bit. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was the same facility, the same lockers. Like, yeah, they're like, Oh, that's where Joe's locker used to be. He used to take, take a football and, and throw it and hit the plaques off of everybody's locker. And so, yeah, to be able to say that, like, kind of in that same, you know, same building, same vibe and same organization was was really cool. And it, the ownership had changed hands. Not it stayed in the same family, just a different family was sort of operating it. But, right. um, yeah, it was still really cool to be able to uh, to sort of have that experience. I was fortunate that, to be out in San Francisco because it was a good group of guys. We had a good rookie class, but I just, yeah, 
didn't work out for me out there. Did they let you sit in Spurrier's old seat? <laughs> he played for he the 49ers, the right? <laughs> yeah, he yeah. did. Yeah, he was a backup, yeah. So you talked about growing up a Bulldogs fan, became a Gator great. You got inducted into the Florida Georgia Hall of Fame. That had to have been pretty awesome. Take us back to that a little bit. Yeah, that was, um, it's like the coolest um, recognition that I've gotten sort of post-playing was to be inducted into the Florida Georgia Football Game Hall of Fame. And um, I got to go with Ben Troop, um, who I've become close with over the recent years because he does a a big event up in Jekyll Island around Florida Georgia game, which he's invited me to for the last couple of years. But um, yeah, you know, it's a big luncheon and you get a bust and they put it in the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame still here in Jacksonville. It's actually over at the um, the Coliseum here. And so I'll still get text messages from my friends who are taking their kids to events over there and they'll take a picture uh-huh. in front of my bust, which is I think awesome. is pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, you know, and to have my parents there, I got inducted the same year as Vern Lundquist, which was really neat. And wow. so got to spend some time with Vern Lundquist and um, Very cool. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really great. It's it's um, going into that and experiencing that like really want really makes me want to get into the Florida Hall of Fame because I think that that would be sort of the pinnacle of of you know what I can expect as a as a former football player at the University of Florida. That's that's the biggest honor that you can get when you're done playing is to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So that's sort of where I. I hope to end up one day, but um, you'll get there. You know, if it if it's it doesn't overdue. happen, it's happening. <laughs> if it doesn't happen, I'm completely fine with things because I'm I'm really fortunate to have the experience that I had. But it certainly would be uh, icing on the cake for sure. Well, we had Troop on, and uh, he spoke about that induction ceremony. He said you uh, that you cried up on stage, and he, he was mad because because you cried, then he he had to cry. <laughs> well, yeah, mine was not intentional. I just, uh, I got up there and I saw my family, I saw my wife, I saw my kids and I saw my parents and. I and that must've been extra special because they're Georgia Bulldogs, right? And here right. you are, the, yeah. Florida, the top scoring Florida Gator. And it's just all comes full circle for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I just, you know, telling the story about how I grew up being a, a bulldog and then, you know, how much this rivalry meant to me, like, yeah, it really started to hit me that I'm now like a piece of that. Right. Uh, it's never going to go away. It's, it's, it's always going to be there. And so that I, yeah, I lost it. And, um, justified. Um, I'll justify. yeah, like I look back on it and I, I was frustrated for a little bit because I was like, I didn't really get to say what I wanted to say, but I think now just the emotion of it, I think people understand like how much that actually meant to me. All right, Jeff, uh, it's been an absolute honor to have on the all-time leading scorer for the University of Florida Gators. Uh, We were there when you were there, and it's funny because, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have really good guests to kick off this podcast um, that that we've started recently. And each one of them has a pretty fair, that aren't in the UF Athletic Hall of Fame, have, you know, a, a, a fair case to get in. But I don't think any of them have the case that you have to get into the UF Athletics Hall of Fame as the all-time leading scorer for the University of Florida. So anything that we can do, uh, we're going to try and put it out there, you know, help campaign, bring attention to it. You know, in the very least, uh, we got your back, man. And we appreciate you taking the time. You were more than gracious with your time with us today. And we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. No, thank you guys. It was uh, my honor to be on here. Um, it was fantastic, fun conversation. Thanks for 
Thanks for allowing me to be on here. It's been great. Thank you. Our honor. Yeah, a lot of fun. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Really great. Yeah. Get ready for that uh that in-state tuition decision. <laughs> It'll be here before you know it. I'm Trust already, me. I'm already planning for it. I'm already planning for it. <laughs> so cool. Absolutely. You guys like that I hid that little connection of mine. That was a crazy nugget there you dropped in there. That was awesome. Yes. What a small world. And he wasn't kidding. His brother and sister-in-law are huge Florida State uh, fans. So that was that was a big part of our interactions. Imagine that household, man. You got Georgia Bulldogs in Thanksgiving. You got Georgia Bulldogs. You got Florida Gators. You got Seminoles. That must be nuts. All-American family. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Man, it just seems like every show we do, I feel like I want to say it's my favorite, like when we're done talking to the guests. I know. The uh, the guests are all, all, they've all been awesome. Yes. They've all been great guests, great discussion, really into it. It's really just a testament to how awesome the University of Florida Gators are. I mean, not only are these guys great athletes, but they're good dudes and they're they're great to talk to. Great point, Sid. <laughs> yeah. Great point. Yeah, they're all good people, man. It really is great to be a Florida Gator, and, and our and our guests just keep proving that every week. And look out on social media. Find us all for the Gators podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, we do a lot of giveaways, a lot of signed photos and cards. So, uh, you know, you don't want to miss out on those and follow us and we'll be back. We're booked through the end of the year, at least with more and more Gator greats. And we're very excited about it. Sid, Andy, it's been a pleasure as always. And I will say this, go Gators. Go Gators. Go Gators. Go Gators.